Hey everyone, it's the Unproducible Podcast. My name is Andrew Colmer. How are you? It's a ripoff of Bill Burr. Uh, yeah. All good. right, three seconds into our podcast, and we're yeah. already ripping off another podcast. Name drop. Go. I'm, I'm go. It. That's what I shuts us down. Yeah, Bill Burr <laughs> just shuts us the fuck down. And that's how we get the name Unproducible. But anyway, with this podcast, we're going to take you on a magical journey throughout the bowels of Hollywood to unearth the films that almost were and almost came to be and were never were meant to be. That doesn't... Okay. Uh, anyway. I think it's good enough. Episode one. Fuck yep. it, we're doing it live. There's Holy some God. voices talking around me. Let's introduce everyone. Uh, whoever, just jump right in. Introduce yourselves. My name is uh, Greg Richardson. And do we need a background or just? I, I mean, name it's is up good. to you. Yeah. I, I just where, were you, where were you born? Uh, social security see. number. You got to give us the entire name. All right. Social security number is seven. I'm white. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's good. Oh, are you done? I can I can go. I'm I'm Nick Benjamin. I um. I, I'm really excited to to jump into the as Andrew said the bowels of Hollywood where we we uh we witnessed some of the 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 content that never was. I'm uh, I'm excited to to dig in deep and see what people got or used to have. Um, I'm stoked. Uh, I'm Byron. I'm unemployed, so I had time for this. Hey, Byron. <laughs> had time for this. Byron. Hi, but I'm a lover of all things movies, and the idea of this podcast really excited me to see how crazy scripts that were unproduced could get. So this is like a dream come true just to yeah. see like the chaos that's going to ensue from this. So I'm excited. This is going to be great. All right. My turn? Yeah. Your turn. All right. I'm Alex Jules James. You'll probably hear everybody else call me Jules because it's a lot easier than saying my full name. I've been trying to work with Andrew on a project for a really long time and he asked me to do this and I'm I've been excited to do this ever since it was in pre-production I guess so I'm excited to work with all these people and let's get it let's get ready let's get it on uh, another background thing <laughs> is right. that me and uh, yeah. Andrew used to do this in uh, college we did a couple scripts that we were recorded and never released that was truly unproducible yep <laughs> Full circle, but, guys. We're back. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna release this, and hopefully, we can continue to release this, and nothing. We're gonna defy our own name and be producing. <laughs> yep. Can't wait. Can't wait to hear our voices on uh, on Spotify. It's gonna be painful. I'm it's sure. It's gonna be so painful. Oh man. Sometimes it's like, how, how do people put up with myself. me and my voice? Like, how is that a thing? Uh, <laughs> what are we reading today? Yeah, we're starting off this little adventure with um, a script written by Kevin Smith called Superman Lives. Now, in order to get some background and history on this, I'm going to take everyone back in time to the magical year of 1997, where Kevin Smith, who previously directed uh, films like Clerks and Mallrats, he had a script floating around Hollywood called Chasing Amy, and a draft of that script landed at the desks of the Warner Brothers lot, and they read the script. They loved it, so they called Kevin Smith in and said, hey, we love your script. Uh, 
would you ever be interested in doing some rewrite work for us? So he's like, yeah. And he's like, perfect. Uh, they gave him three scripts to choose from. Uh, one was called Architects from a Fear, which in his words was like a remake of an Outer Limits episode. The second was Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. Which and, we'll get to. Yep. We'll get to that one. Stay tuned and for that. The third script was a Superman script that went by the name of Superman Reborn. Now, Kevin Smith, being the nerdy geek guy that he is, said, um, I'll take Superman, please. And the Warner Brothers producer was like, um, sure, but that actually needs to get like higher up permission. But if you're welcome to at least take the script home and read it. So he did. Then the next day, he went back to the lot, um, gave the script back, and then the producer was like, so what would you think? And then Kevin Smith was just plainly said, like, it was fucking horrible. Like, what type of, like, piece of shit was this? Did, like, someone's cousin write this? Like, he was <laughs> tearing into it. And in his words, it was very campy, like akin to the um, Adam West Batman TV series. Uh-huh. And so the the producer was just like, okay, um, thanks thanks for your <laughs> thanks for your input. You're good to go. So Kevin Smith goes home. Then on the next day, he gets a call from his agent saying, um, they want you back at the Warner Brothers a lot. So he goes back, and then he meets that producer again. But there's a second new guy with him, and then the producer goes like, hey Kevin, um, tell this new guy what you told me about the Superman script. So Kevin tells him what I just told you. And then they go, okay, thank you. You're good to go. So Kevin Smith goes home. Next day, he gets another call. They want it back at Warner Brothers lot. He goes back there. It's the two people that he met the day previous, but now there's a third guy. And they're like, Kevin, tell him what you told us about the Superman script. And so he told him. He goes back home. Next day, gets another call. And that goes on and on and on until finally he gets called into a meeting at Warner Brothers where it's every single person that he told the script about. And now the new person is the head of Warner Brothers. And so they go like, Kevin, tell us or tell him what you told us about the Superman script. So Kevin Smith, again, goes on about how much he hates the script. And then finally, the head of Warner Brothers just goes, okay, um, what would you do differently? And thus, he became attached to the project. But the dots and crosses weren't final because Kevin needed to get approval from the head producer of the project, who is a man who goes by the name of John Peters. Now, to give you a brief history on this guy, John Peters got a start as Barbara Streitzan's hairdresser for that one boxing movie she did. I forget what it was called. But ever since then, he's worked his way up as a producer. He did the Tim Burton Batman movies. He's produced every single Superman movie, including Man of Steel. And then recently, he was a producer on A Star is Born, the Bradley Cooper film. And so Kevin drove up to his house, or mansion, as he describes it. They both sit down with each other, and then John Peters goes, okay, just pitch me the story. So Kevin tells him, like, his pitch for the story. And then finally, after it, John Peters just sits there in silence and then just says, you know why you and me were going to do a good Superman movie? And Kevin Smith goes, uh, why? And then John Peters goes, because you and I, we're from the streets. Hell yeah. And then, yeah, 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 boy. Yep. And uh, so then John Peters goes, uh, like, okay, I like you. I want you for the job. Just so you know, there's three rules that you got to follow for this script. One, no suit. Two, you can't fly. And three, Superman has to fight a giant spider in the third act. Kevin Smith goes, like, okay. Um, 
Let, let's go back to the first one. Why no suit? <laughs> All of us are John shaking go, our heads right now. What's the yeah, point of having yeah. a Superman yeah. movie without a suit or flying? Sorry, go on. I just, that's still <laughs> the same topic. Yeah. I'm sorry. So then John Peters goes like, yeah, no suit. In his words, it looked too faggy. And Kevin goes, okay, um, why why the no flying? And then John Peters goes like, oh, I never liked the flying bullshit. That's not, that's not going to fly. No pun intended. Yeah. And then he goes, okay, well, wh- what's with the spider thing? And then he goes, Kevin, don't you know? Spiders are one of the fiercest killers in the animal kingdom. <laughs> and then I mean. he goes like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try to implement that in the script. And then as he was leaving, John Peters goes, you know who I picture being in this role? And Kevin Smith goes like, um, no, who? And he just goes, Sean Penn. And he just goes, like, Kevin goes, oh, interesting. What makes you say that? And then Peters goes like, I just saw um, Dead Man Walking like with Sean Penn in it. That dude has the eyes of a killer. <laughs> like he'll be great as this. And Kevin's thinking, it's it's Superman, dude. Oh my and god. And so thus that relationship was born. And for the past couple like months, um, they were going back and forth on the script, like to the point where um every John Peters, it's famous saying like every ten pages something big needs to happen. There needs to be an action sequence or something. To the point where there's one sequence where Brainiac, the villain, is supposed to go up to Superman's base, the Fortress of Solitude in the Arctic. And he goes like there needs to be an action scene there like some, something action wise like can't brainiac fight like superman's guards and then kevin smith goes like it guards it, it's <laughs> superman dude <laughs> like why would superman need guards and he goes like I don't, it's his base it's his castle right and then kevin smith calls it's called the fortress of solitude and like it kind of goes up there you know to be alone and then yeah. he goes, polar bears brainiac has to fight some polar why? bears once he gets why? there Oh, my God. Kevin Smith asks, like, why polar bears? And then he goes, like, don't you know, Kevin? Polar bears are the fiercest killers in the animal kingdom. (laughs) The last bit of news um, for this project is that once Kevin Smith turned in his second draft, um, director Tim Burton of the Batman film signed on with Nick Cage attached to play Superman. And thus, Burton... Then brought on his own writers, thus Kevin Smith was kicked to the curb, and thus we have our script here, which is also going to star... 23 years later. Yep. It's finally getting its due by a bunch of idiots. Nobody who has like a say in the industry, we're just like, let's fucking read this shit and see yeah. what it's all about. Why not? I, I can't wait to be just fucked over by Warner Brothers. Yeah. I can't wait to get that call from Kevin. We're like, but Kevin, wasn't that the, the, the honest truth? And he's gonna be like, Yeah, but still fucking take it down. <laughs> oh, well, if anyone else is curious before we get into it, um Lex Luthor was supposed to be played by Kevin Spacey. Christopher Walken was going to play Brainiac. <laughs> oh, uh, hell yeah. Chris Rock was supposed to play Jimmy Olsen. And I believe... Oh my god, the girl from Friends. What, what's what's her nuts? Which one? Uh, um, Jennifer Courtney Cox? Cox? Courtney Cox. Courtney Cox, Cox was um, in talks for Lois Lane. That wouldn't be bad. Oh, that's a strange thing. cast, I gotta I admit. That is very strange. But it was also 97, so what the fuck were they yeah. thinking? Yeah. <laughs> Friends what, was in its high is, point, so that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Go in we had we had Nick Cage with uh Vampire's Kiss, we had Courtney Cox with Friends, you know, we had all that shit. So 
We're gonna read this sucker. We, 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 we could uh, whole thing. Let's go into who each of us are playing since we're doing a table read. We are reading this script front to back to okay. give you the most accurate quote unquote depiction of how this film was supposed to play out. I will be playing the parts of Lois Lane, Batman, Jorel, and Police Number One. Uh, I will be playing uh, Lex Luthor, uh, host, cat. Deadshot, an engineer. <laughs> Just engineer. I'm sorry, yep. that's hilarious. Okay, so I will be playing uh, Brainiac, Eradicator, a sassy robot, Schuster, a LexCorp employee, a commercial uh, voiceover, a Senate delegate, and the chief. Damn. Uh, I will be playing uh, Alien Number 1, Governor... Superman, stoked about that. Perry, <laughs> Council Voice, and Darius. Is it Darius or Dennis? It's Darius. Yeah, it's Darius. Wow. I, I hope it it's Darius because if it, it was Dennis, then I made a fool out of myself. It, it is. <laughs> it is General Darius who has a big introduction in one line. So. Uh, <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> it's just one. <laughs> uh, hi, I'm Jules, and I will be portraying the roles of Boy Alien Number Two. Jimmy, Misty, Elrond, and Woman. With Also with table reads, um, there's the great burden of someone having to read um, all the action lines in the scripts. <laughs> we are taking upon ourselves where every 30 pages we are going to be switching off. And in order to decide that, we have a wheel of death to where we have a spin wheel with all of our names on it. And we're just going to spin it. And whoever names lands on it is going to be reading the action paragraphs. And so I'll be starting off. All right, yeah, let's do this thing. And without further delay, I present to you <laughs> Superman Lives. Action. By Kevin Smith. Action. <clears throat> Exterior, space. An alien craft floats through the void, approaching a slow-moving asteroid. Interior, alien craft. Two humanoid aliens dressed in uniform pilot their craft near to the asteroid. <laughs> Receiving a signal from an alien system, but there's interference on the channels. Once we get past this asteroid, <laughs> it should clear up. Suddenly, through the windshield, we see oh. tentacles shoot out of the asteroid. Exterior, space. The tentacles wrap themselves around the craft, and electrical energy courses between the pair. The asteroid reveals itself to be the Brainiac Skull Ship. A tentacled craft that looks like it sounds. A set of jaws protrude and puncture the whole of the small craft. It glows white hot with power. Interior skull ship operating theater. We see the surg yeah. we see a surgical table, its contents obscured by the shadows, save for the back of a malformed head. Computer banks and monitors are everywhere. A small robot works beside the table, implanting a cable into the back of the malformed head. and throws a switch. Raw energy blows through the cable, causing the patient to convulse and writhe, screaming. Close up the metallic shaft as it begins to reconfigure. Oh, that Kevin Smith. Adults. Taking the shape of an arm. We see the same happen to other parts of his body. Hands, legs facial features exterior space the craft of the skull ship holds then goes dark the energy being sucked from it having run dry interior skull ship 
operating theater. The patient stops convulsing as the cable attached to its head ceases to glow. That was all the energy the craft yielded. <laughs> what the heck? Oh. Oh, God. That's great. The craft was a short ranger, my lord. I'm surprised I can have enough that Wow. I'm surprised I can have enough juice to give you this much form. We pulled one point nine trigs out of it. There's nothing more to get. And an accurate assessment. <laughs> <laughs> Interior small craft. The frightened aliens try to restart the craft. Uh, 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 motion detectors are picking up something breaching the hull. The doors melt. Brainiac enters. Humanoid in appearance, green-skinned, black-eyed, red-lipped, metallic and bald. A series of metal relays crisscross his forehead. Three solid circles intersected by straight lines. The aliens reach for laser gatlings, and fire. But they cause no damage. Brainiac instead grabs the weapons, jamming them into his body, consuming the lasers into his form. Energizing, he drops the guns, and his hands morph into tendrils, which plunge into the chests of the terrified aliens. He absorbs their life forces, making them husks, at which point they explode, covering the cabin in goo. Brainiac inhales deeply, charged. Exterior space. The tentacles of the skull ship unravel from the wrecked craft. <laughs> the skull ship powers up and thrusts into the void. Interior. Skull ship bridge. Brainiac watches space parts. Space part. Okay. Before See? him on the view <laughs> the screen. The only one. Yep. Elrond joins him, holding a containment unit. The cosmic irony, Elrond. I, who have destroyed a world, am now forced to subsist like a parasite. Once infinite power was my manifest. Now look at the pride of people <laughs> attempts to maintain even this meager anthropomorphic form. <laughs> that's so good. Oh, my God. oh man, that's amazing. At least you have what passed is for legs. Brainiac gives Elrond a withering look. What did your search of the craft yield? Elrond holds up the containment jar. Inside which scurries a multi-legged, fist-sized creature. Thanagarian mm. snare beast. Infancy stage. Illegal in 16 systems due to the advanced nature of their growth patterns outside of their own atmosphere. Added to the menagerie. Then a beacon sounds. On the main screen, scrambled letters and numbers appear, forming a distorted image of Lex Luthor, commanding, corporate, suave, bald, and ominous. Greetings. This message, transmitted over 100 languages, comes to you from Earth. Brainiac regards the message curiously. I am Lex Luthor, owner and CEO of LexCorp, a vast and powerful conglomerate that dominates trade on this planet. To whatever life form that may receive this, I extend an invitation to our world, non-hostile and eager to establish contact with extraterrestrial races, Earth welcomes a visit from whomever receives this greeting. I myself call upon you to make contact so they may establish relations, open trade routes. Brainiac turns away, disinterested. Then the friendly greeting on screen turns darker. And discuss any information you might have regarding a visitor to this planet of Kryptonian descent. Brainiac snaps to attention, shocked. Shocked recognition crossing his face. 
My days of scavenging are over, Elrond. Lock into this transmission and follow it to this earth he speaks of. What for? Jor-El's most accomplished creation, Elrond. The Eradicator still exists. <gasps> Brainiac's eyes glow with intrigue. Elrond shrugs and begins entering coordinates. Lex's message continues on screen. From what superior intellect, whomever, or whatever you may be, I implore you to come to Earth so we may discuss this problem we call. And here, television studio, a close-up of a stiff-looking telejournalist fills the screen. Superman, friend to Earth or hindrance? Tonight, we take a closer look at the Man of Steel. We're in a television studio. While the Nightline-like opening logo plays, cameras whirl and reposition, then... Does the existence of seemingly godlike vigilante impact the world positively or negatively? Examining this with us tonight is Luscorp CEO and Metropolis's second most well-known figure, Lex Luthor. Seated across from the host, Lex Luthor winces at the introduction, looking far more congenial than he did in his clip aboard the school ship. Lex is in his public persona. Mr. Luthor, you've been with the, you've been the most vocal performer of the Wortham Act, a bill that seeks to outlaw costume vigilantes in the greater metropolitan area. Given that Superman is the sole individual who could follow this criteria, the question begs asking, why so much distrust of the man of tomorrow? I'm no enemy of Superman, Ted. Quite the contrary. I find this his flair for fashion and whimsical abilities very... David Copperfield. Such a crowd-pleasing showman who makes Metropolis his home is a boon for the tourist trade. But I do question the good that Superman represents for the human race. Beyond entertainment value. Such as, well, <laughs> aiding the planet <clears throat> at every turn against war, famine, natural disaster for starters. It represents a complete freeze on the evolutionary process. And one of his more immediate effects on our society. Having Superman make his home in Metropolis is a veritable call to arms for any psychotic with dreams of world domination. The Wortham Act will be a deterrent to those who might consider jumping into a pair of tights and challenging the Man of Steel to a battle royale right here on the streets of our fair city. An interesting position, Mr. Luther, but one that I'm sure your opposition will refute. We welcome city beat reporter for the Daily Planet, Lois Lane. Lois sits beside Lex, beautiful yet poised, even though she looks thoroughly pissed. All right, here it goes. <clears throat> Getting water. Hit us. This proposed act, which even Metropolis's own Governor Bree opposes, is nothing more than Lex's one-man armed crusade against Superman. Outlawing the Man of Steel would be like removing the soul of the city. I mean, can anyone even remember what Metropolis was like before Superman arrived? Someone watched Bob's Burgers before recording. <laughs> hey, <laughs> see? I told you it's all in the nose. Yep. As I recall, there were less red, white, and yellow souvenir stands. Miss Lane... Have you ever been to, able to look past your blood allegiance to this off-worlder to think that maybe he employs he employs criminals to improve his PR? For all we know, they're on his books. In Salem, it was the witch hunt. In Hollywood, it was the Red Scare. Leave it to your fertile imagination to come up with Capegate. <laughs> the vehement defense you put up for him. I say the only thing fertile around here is someone's hopes for carrying a super brat one day. That's it! 
Lois jumps to Lex, who tumbles back in his chair. She begins laying into him as the host leans into the frame, addressing to the TV audience. We'll be right back. Fade to a commercial. In an open field, a woman spins a small boy in her arms. Family. It's the bottom line behind every decision she makes. Yours or hers. In November, vote with your heart. The Chiron at the bottom of the screen reads, paid for by the committee to re-elect Governor Bree, as the visuals locks on the small boy in her arms. Cut to exterior Hobbs Bay Street Day. The small boy exits a bistro, holding the hand of this mother, Governor Caitlin Bree. They are flanked by Secret Service men, paparazzi and telejournalists, including Cat Grant. Coverage on them snapping photos. Madam Governor, how was the meal? Excellent. Uh, this bistro represents the first major step in the revitalization of Metropolis's historic Hobbs Bay. Do you think the redevelopment project can change the public's perception of this area as suicide slum? Uh, if the meal was any indication, I'd say absolutely. How about it, Brody? What do you think of the bistro's food? It was the bestest biscotti I had in my whole life. The journos laugh. I know. <laughs> What's his smoker? <laughs> hey, we don't know how old he is. He's a boy. He's a yeah. child. <laughs> if it said man, I wouldn't believe that voice, but this definitely yeah. says boy, unless he just like completely <laughs> ripped his throat out. <laughs> All right, well, that's the voice now. You got to keep it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's only like five lines, so... <laughs> The journos laugh. The governor kisses her son's head and hugs him, then turns back to the cameras. I want Metropolis to know that there's no danger in Hobbs Bay. Suddenly, across the street, the side of the building explodes, raining debris on the crowd. The governor covers her son. Five crudely masked thugs pour from the hole in the building, opening fire, sending people running. Then, from the still-smoked blast hole, dead shot emerges, clad completely in silver and red, featureless, save for the glowing red gun sight covering his right eye. The secret service men covering the governor draw their guns. Deadshot takes aim with his wrist revolvers and shoots the pieces from their hands. The thugs clear a path for their leader. The governor looks up to see Deadshot standing over her. <laughs> the city will not bow down to terrorism of any kind. Maybe not. He drops the governor and grabs the boy by, the, by his collar. I'm sure you will, won't you? Mom. Deadshot holds his wrist revolver to the secret boy's heads. Oh, to the scared boy's heads. (laughs) (laughs) That boy is fucking terrifying. (laughs) Sacred as fuck, bro. (laughs) A crimson laugh echoes from beyond his mask. Exterior, Daily Planet building, rooftop, day. We still hear Deadshot's laugh, but from someone else's perspective. A super hearing perspective. A very familiar pair of boots step to the edge of the building, then step off, disappearing in a flash of red. Exterior, Hobbs Bay Street, day. A sonic boom fills the air. Deadshot looks to thug number one. Tell me that was your stomach. High above, a streak of red descends at a rapid rate, a rocketing into the pavement, leaving a hole into the ground. Oh, shit. The street beneath their feet explodes, and the same red streak flashes past Deadshot, taking with it the boy in a blink of an eye. All immediately mobilize. Grab the broad and get, let's get out of here! The thugs grab the governor as a van screeches up. 
exterior top of building day, the boy is set down lightly on the roof, his eyes open, which then go wide. Before him stands Superman, um, 90s style, licking his hand. I, mm. I only read it because that's how it's written. I know. I like how you read that as a question. Like, I 90s know. Style? <laughs> I don't even know what 90s style is. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, really, though. He probably is a skateboard. Uh, probably it's the mullet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's straight up the mullet. Mmm, spaghetti. Hand on the boy. You okay? Can we do that again? First, I gotta beat up the bad guys. My mom thinks you're cute. That's why I voted her. Superman. <laughs> Superman weeks and leaps what? into the air. It's very porno-esque. <laughs> Interior, van, date. The governor under Deadshot's gun, thug number one, revs the engine. Suddenly, through the windshield, Superman explodes up through the hood of the van, adorned in engine parts. Get out there and ventilate him! Exterior, Hobbs Bay Street, day. Superman pulls himself from the van and hurls the engine at two of the thugs. The remaining three open fire. The bullets bounce from Superman's chest. Exterior, space, somewhere over Earth. The skull ship slinks into our atmosphere. Interior, skull ship. On the view screen, Brainiac and Elrond watch Superman fight the mass thugs. Ugh, do they all dress like that on this planet? That symbol on his chest. It's a seal of scientific office from Krypton. It's the Kryptonian. Oh, it, it can't be him. Kryptonians were never known to manifest above average strength or invulnerability. Perhaps he derives his power from the Eradicator. I, I don't know. He's not wearing any technology. Get us to this Lex Luthor of Earth now. Cut to exterior Hobbs Bay Street. Day. As bullets bounce off Superman's chest, the Man of Steel's eyes glow red. Two heat beams sear into the machine gun into the hands of one of the thugs. The gun glows red and the thugs drop it. Superman repeats this with the remaining four thugs until they're all disarmed, waving their hands in the air to cool them. Looking as if they were waving goodbye, Superman waves goodbye back at them. Then we hear, Hey, Boy Scout. Deadshot's point of view through gun sight. Superman turns, his face falling into the crosshairs. Deadshot, holding the governor, fires a single kill shot. <laughs> Superman's head jerks backwards and pauses momentarily. When he brings his he dead head forward, we see the bullet caught in his teeth. He rocket spits the bullet out, which hits Deadshot's wrist revolver through the villain's arm back. Oh, no. All right. Yeah, boy. Yep. <laughs> Swallow that bullet. Away from the governor. In a flash of red, Superman is in front of Deadshot, shaking his head. Look at your outfit. What is this? Gotham? He grabs Deadshot's <laughs> wrist revolver. And then finger flicks the villain in the head, knocking him out. <laughs> People emerge from the bistro, <laughs> cheering as the terrorists are collected by the authorities. Superman dusts the governor off and nods at her. Madam Governor. He disappears in a flash and a gust of wind, then reappears holding the boy. Your most important con constituent. The governor hugs first her son, then Superman. Thank you, Superman. Superman blushes slightly rubs the boy's head, and walks away. He glances down at Deadshot's wrist revolver, Superman's X-ray vision point of view. We see first the weapon, then through the weapon into the components that make it tick. Zoom in on a set of microscopic serial numbers etched into a tiny clip. Back to scene. Superman shakes his head and sighs. What a shock. 
Luther. The wrist revolver explodes (laughs) in his hands. He drops it to the ground where it continues to burn. Exterior, GBS building, night. Lex exits the building flanked by Misty, his gorgeous but lethal bodyguard. He holds a small ice pack on his cheek. Or to his cheek. To his cheek. (laughs) (laughs) To his cheek. Cheek, 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 cheek. I cannot believe the bitch tagged me. What do I pay you for? And Jimmy Olsen shows up out of breath. He looks at Lex, panting, then nods to Luther's shiner. Superman? Lex seethes as Lois emerges <laughs> from the building. It was the joke, Jimmy. He was mad that Luther stole his act. I thought journalists were supposed to be impartial. I thought humanitarians were supposed to be human. Takes out a pen and pad. Care to comment? Pithy to the last. Lex hurries into his limo. Pithy, who uses that word anymore? Chief wants you back at the planet, Miss Lane. Something big just broke out in Hobbs Bay. Superman? There and gone. They climb into the taxi that pulls up. Interior Lex's limo, night. Lex puffs on a cigar, sipping brandy from a stiffer. He clicks on the TV news, which shows Superman at Hobbs Bay. Lex goes white hot and wide eyed with rage. Up front, Misty rolls her eyes. Exterior, LexCorp building night. Lex exits his limo and marches bitterly towards LexCorp building, followed by Misty. Six months of planning and all for nothing. With Governor Bree in line, I could have taken back control of the city from that, that alien. Interior, elevator, night. Metropolis shrinking behind him. Lex watches the digital numbers rise, seething. Then the elevator stops abruptly. Misty catches Lex, setting him upright again. Suddenly, the hatch at the top of the elevator is ripped off. A blue-clad arm reaches in, pulling Lex out. Interior, elevator shaft. Superman holds Lex in his grip. Fifth floor, hair care products. (laughs) One of these... Oh, sorry. (laughs) I read the wrong... (laughs) I was wondering who was going to be the first one, and it was Andrew. I love it. (laughs) One of these days... They're gonna be, gonna pass the Bortha Act, and one of these day, nights I'll be able to blast your pajama plaid ass out of the sky, legally. Speaking of acts of violence, did you hear the one about Hobbs Bay? See, this guy wants to get his anti-Superman bill passed, so he hires a few mass goons to threaten the governor to speed the bill along. Lex yawns slightly, as if bored. But here's the punchline: he's got such a big ego, he demands that a serial number from his company show up somewhere on the hardware he provided his hired mercenaries, thus implicating him in a federal offense. Isn't that a gut buster? Lex arches his eyebrows slightly. Then a pissed Superman yanks Luther to him, bringing them face to face. I'm putting you behind bars. No proof. Loaded hardware with self-destructs triggered by the radiation waves of your X-ray vision. Superman glares at Lex, knowing he's right. Mm then maybe I should save the courts of Metropolis the time, make myself the judge, jury. Superman hooks his foot under a bar in the elevator and starts towing the car up the shaft at an alarming <laughs> fast. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Is you it a metallic shaft? say it like that. <laughs> shaft. Shaft. Who's the bad motherfucker? <laughs> We're adults. We're all mature. And especially executioner. No. Luther looks up, Luther's point of view, the fast-approaching top of the shaft, jagged and deadly. Oh, no. If his head as so, as so much as touches it, he's a dead man. Lex panics, 
as the top of the shaft gets closer, Superman nonchalantly checks the nails on his free hand. The ceiling gets closer. Lex jams his eyes shut. Then Superman stops, thus stopping the car as well. Luther's head is a half an inch from a nasty spike. He opens his eyes slowly, looking from the spike to Superman. You're hardly worth the effort. He drops Lex and disappears in a burst of red. Exterior, space. The skull ship slips into Earth's orbit menacingly. Exterior, daily planet building, night. The globe spins atop Metropolis's once largest skyscraper. Lex built his bigger. (laughs) All the windows arc dark, except one. And through it, we see Lois. Interior, daily planet, city room, night. Lois, alone at her desk, types on her laptop. In the midst of the tapping her fingers create against the keys, another pitch of tapping joins in. Lois spins around to see Superman floating outside the window. Lois trips over her desk or two, rushing to the window. <clears throat> Sorry, getting over Yeah, yeah, clear, clear your throat. Drink some water. Get it ready. Superman? <laughs> <laughs> A sip of water for one word. (laughs) Evening, Miss Lane. Late night? I'm just feeling my peace on Hobbs Bay. Nice bit of work there. Superman flies in, sitting down beside a desk. The nameplate on the desk says Clark Kent. This is Mr. Kent's fastidious immaculate workstation. I call it Smallville Central. He's not around tonight? Thankfully, no. If I had to withstand Clark Kent day and night, I'd be at my therapist twice a week as opposed to one. Doesn't take super senses to detect a little friction there. Not a fan of Mr. Kent, Miss Lane? Clark's Clark, you know. He's great and all, but don't get me wrong. But he's just kind of a Dudley do-right. It's hard for me to relate to a man like And why is that? Lois looks him dead in the eyes. The costumed Adonis gives it back as, <laughs> oh as good God. as she's giving. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lois slams down the lid of her laptop and stands up. Well, Superman, I'm not into all that Kansas Boy Scout babble. I'm the kind of woman, moves closer, who likes the man, brings her lips to his. In tights. And Lois plants one on Superman. Long and passionate. Superman breaks the kiss and steps back. Miss Lane, I have something to tell you. He pulls Clark's glasses from his cape and slips them on. I'm really Clark Clark Kent. Whoa! Jesus, wow. what page are we on? Ten? Fuck. Lois goes wide-eyed and faints. Superman rushes forward and catches her. Then she opens her eyes and shakes her head. Really? Clark? Must we go through this every night? They kiss. He brings her back to her feet. Nice job with the bad guys, babe. I was so proud of you. <laughs> so they're doing role play with the elves. It literally <laughs> yep. sounds I like. I don't know what's play. happening. That's, that's what they're doing, yeah. Smallville Central. Who calls it that? Try everybody, Clark, even Jimmy. And I loaned that kid 20 bucks last week. Ungrateful slacker. How about dinner? Not Burger King again. Let's just get at my place. Why, Miss Lane, you underestimate me. I was thinking a more monumental dinner. Interior, Lex's office. I am. Night. I am. The nerve center of LexCorp, a bank of monitors with a vast array of channels adorns one wall, over which hangs an alarmingly increasing digital readout titled Acres of LexCorp Cleared Rainforest. In the center of the room, a monolithic desk backlit by a large picture window. Misty sits on the couch reading a magazine, 
Lex enters fuming, covered in grease. He puts up his hand. Don't ask. Just draw me a bath. Misty heads off for the huge, sunken marble tub at the far end of the office and runs the water. While Lex crosses to his desk, he passes the bank of TVs, all of which details Superman's Hobbs Bay endeavor. He pours himself a drink and sits, not noticing Elrond sitting atop the desk. Greetings! Lex goes wide-eyed at the robot and leaps from his chair. Bomb! (laughs) (laughs) Lex charges by Misty and hurls Elrond into the tub. He dives onto the floor, hands over his head, awaiting the blast. After a beat, he looks up. Elrond slowly rises from the tub. It discharges water from its circuits and sputters. Go with entrance B. Then the picture window explodes. Brainiac glides in, godlike. Much to Luther's shock, Misty leaps in front of her boss, Lup slash Lover, as the alarm sounds. Lex Luther of Earth, I am Brainiac. A pair of Lex Corp soldiers burst through the doors. Kill it. The soldiers fire. <laughs> he absorbs the bullets. Then he pulls his energy suck maneuver from the first scene. Lex and Misty stare. I have come to discuss the Kryptonian you mentioned in your homing message. Clean up what's left of those guys. Misty nods, backing away. Lex and Brainiac eye each other cautiously until Lex motions towards his desk. Brainiac follows but stops short at Lex's impressive computer setup. He seems astonished. This technology... Brainiac sharply raises his hand between he and Lex. Lex startles a bit as Brainiac's hand then reconfigures into something that he inserts into the computer. Downloading... Yeah. <laughs> Downloading sounds are heard as Brainiac cocks his head. Shaft. As if sampling... Lex-Dex <laughs> Prime. My computer division builds these things. It's Sorry. the most cutting edge, the most sophisticated, the most... Primitive. Ancient. Brainiac extracts his appendage, which reconfigures anew. Yes, well, you obviously know whereof you speak. This Kryptonian you mentioned, I know of him as well. Unit 9, full display. The images on the monitors align into one single visual of Superman in action, earlier from that day. <clears throat> He's my mortal enemy, the object of my eye, the... No, not a friend of his, by any chance, are you? Where I have come from, we destroy that which impedes our progress. Why have you not done the same? Kill Superman? Look, I've had everyone who ever... Was ever a thorn on my side done away with? From my third dairy creature to my third wife. Nothing eases friction like... Mime's gun to the head. Pow. You know what I'm saying? Superman would have been dead's white weddings if it weren't for the fact that he's from Krypton. Whatever the hell that is. Which means he cannot be killed. I watched Krypton die screaming. Lex Luthor, invulnerable is something its inhabitants... Oh, Jesus. Its inhabitants weren't... <laughs> He is aided by technology of some sort. A machine. As we can tell, Pinocchio has no strings. Then it's his chemistry. It must be affected by this planet. Radioactive shards of our destroyed homeworld would be toxic to his system. Kryptonite. Brainiac rolls back. I've spent the last two years of millions of last coke dollars trying to synthesize the stuff. You know what it yielded? Lex reaches into a drawer and pulls out a pottery shell, covered in a mossy glass. The Chia Pet. Lex places it on his desk, besides a model of a space station with large mirror panels. Brainiac analyzes the model curiously. One of Lex Gore's long-range goals, 
but so luck conductor. One of these days, this pup is going to make me a multi-billionaire. Going to draw energy directly from the sun's surface and sell it to the masses. Brainiac presses something on the model, and a huge gun turret pops out, which, with accompanying cannons, like smiles. That's the long, long-range goal. A massive solar-powered cannon. As Lex speaks, Brainiac's attention is drawn from the model to the footage of Superman in action, and back to the model. A plan begins formulating. We're thinking of concentrating sunbeams my fry hole through the man's steel. It's a stretch, but a guy's gotta have a dream. Blasting him with a solar beam will only enhance his power. This world is fueled by the light of the yellow sun, is it not? Last time I checked, why? Krypton 2 was fueled by a sun. A red sun. The actual construct of this. Is it operational? Maybe in 20 years, but for what it's worth, it's up there already. Surrender it to me. I'll augment it with my own technology. Provide me with this and you will not only have your solar conductor 20 years ahead of schedule, but this Superman will be... Mine's gone to his head. As you say... (laughs) All the capital, material, and technologies of my company are at your service. If you can kill Superman, you accomplish that. And to this planet's inhabitants, I'll make you a god. Exterior, LexTech Dynamics, night. A radar dish reconfigures as we hear... Mr. Luther, you can't do this. Interior, LexTech Dynamics Control Room, night. A scientist, Schuster, argues vehemently with Lex as Misty oversees the technician. Who pays the bills here, Schuster? I want these solar coordinate, the solar conductor reconfigured to these coordinates. But it's not durable enough to travel this far out of Earth's orbit. Lex nods to Misty, who puts the kibosh on, Schuster, on Schuster, dropping him to the floor. Lex what? glares at the technician, who feverishly works on his computer. I would never presume to tell you tell you your business, but it seems you're trading one alien for another. Never trust anyone with the stones to call himself Brainiac. I equipped that rocket we gave him with the diagnostic scanner. They'll get me a complete break, give me a complete breakdown of what makes him and his technology tick. And when we have that, LexCorp will be the most powerful corporation in the world. Because Superman will be gone. Because I'll have harnessed the capabilities of an artificial intelligence so advanced it can hold a conversation with people. Not to mention the computers that make up the defense systems of every NATO nation on Earth. An extortion racket. The extortion racket, my dear. Exterior space. The solar conductor, a huge version of the model, powers up. It rockets deeper into the stars. We pan down from those stars to see exterior Mount Rushmore night. A nice view of the presidentially sculpted mountain. On top of Washington's head, we see a small fire burning. Exterior Mount Rushmore, atop Washington's head night. Clark and Lois sit on a blanket, looking out over the vista. There is a campfire going, and the remnants of, a, of their dinner lay strewn about the open picnic basket. Lois sips wine from her glass. Clark drinks orange juice. Monumental. You're such a goof. <laughs> Thank Pa for that. He was the punster of the family. Ma's the one who taught me to cook. To, or, sorry, Ma's the one who taught <laughs> me to cook, though. Ma also teaches you how to reheat chicken with your eyes. Oh, Ma also teaches you how to reheat chicken with your eyes? Some things a boy has to learn on his own. Did it ever bother you being the adopted child, never knowing your real parents? If I ever did, it was only because I couldn't help but feel my destiny 
might have been stolen from me. How so? I'd start wondering what I was supposed to do in life. What would I be like if Krypton, if Krypton hadn't, you know? Who were my parents? Would I have ever left the planet? Would I have ever come to Earth? Would I have ever met you? Oh, God. No. But you'd probably still read me. You'd say to yourself, if only I could be half the right of the slowest lane of the planet Earth is. I know it sounds <clears throat> silly. Where, where do I get off complaining? Me. The guy who's faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. What's the last one? Something about tall buildings. Right. <laughs> but all that aside, I'm just a person, you know? I have what-ifs like everyone else. What if I'd grown up under a red sun and never had these powers? Who <sighs> would say it me again? would say it me again and again and again? Somehow I doubt you'd have any trouble getting along with me. Trouble? No. Fun? Yeah. They kiss deeply as we cut to interior school ship. Brainiac and Elrond watch the solar conductor on their view screen. Launch the hybrid technology. <laughs> Why? Elrond presses a button on the control panel. Interior cargo hold. Technology extremely alien in appearance fills the cargo hold. It begins vibrated, then explodes, growing out of the smoke. It spreads throughout the cargo hold and exterior space. Out through the rocket seams, it consumes the rocket from within, covering it in biometallic tendrils. In the midst of the solar conductor, an Earth-made rocket labeled LexTech 37 grows white-hot with energy. Then lasers burst out of it from all sides, striking and bouncing off the mirrors of the solar conductor, creating a net across the miles-wide diameter. The light that's shown on Earth now fades slightly as Brainiac's Shadowcaster goes to work. Exterior, Mount Rushmore, night. Packing up, Clark doubles over slightly as if suddenly woozy. He writes himself and shakes it off, smiling. Uh, uh, indige- indigestion. Maybe uh, I didn't cook the chicken long enough. You know what? I was just thinking about the rocket. The one you told me brought to you to Earth. What ever happened to it? It's at the fortress. Ah, uh, the He-Man Woman Haters Club. <laughs> Did you ever study it? Try to learn something about more where you came from? About where your parents even? I know all I'm ever going to know. There was a planet... It blew up. End of story. I'd rather dwell on the present and the future, which is something I like to talk to you about. Mm. Gently moving back. <laughs> no, no. Let's talk about flying <laughs> going to bed. We both have work tomorrow. Why do you always get like this when I try to talk about where our where out relationship <laughs> is going? All I'm saying is that I love you. And I love you, too. And I'd like to talk about something more permanent. Lois, Lois's eyes go wide. She stares oh. at him for a beat, then looks down. Long time. Enjoy. <clears throat> Drink that water. <laughs> you know, the first time I heard about you, I thought you were a hoax. Flying man stunned city, the paper said. 
Yeah, right, I said. But then I saw you land that down shuttle on your back. And in that moment, every jaded bone in my body believed that a man can fly, touches his face. The first time I met you as Clark, I thought you were the squarest hick to ever escape Kansas. But when you called me Miss Lane, you were so polite, ever gallant, then you made me feel like a princess. <clears throat> Her head on his chest. The first time you told me about, well, about your other job, there was a moment of shock. And then it all made sense. Who else but Clark Kent could care so much about people he didn't even know. And the first time he kissed, I, I knew it was you. You were the person I stopped believing in years before. The one my mother told me about. The first time you left me in the middle of the night to rescue that luxury liner, I knew that you didn't belong to me. You belong to the world. She steps back and looks at him. Lois. Finger to his lips. Your responsibilities are huge. I can't possibly (laughs) expect you to divide your time between a wife and the world. What about children, if that's even possible? I can slow down, pace myself. And feel the weight of a death you couldn't prevent because you were too busy bringing the kids to the video store? Lois shakes her head sadly. Clark's eyes are downcast, her words truer than he can bear. There's nothing I want more than to share life with you. But I won't settle for a half-life. Clark takes it in somberly. Then he lifts his head, as if listening to something far away. Plane's in trouble over Paraguay. Lois. Go ahead. Just don't forget to come back for me. Aww. Clark comes a blur that turns into Superman. He leaps off the cliff. Exterior space continuous. The shadow caster seals off a large section of sunlight. Exterior Mount Rushmore continuous. Suddenly, Superman is struck as if shot. He falters in midair and falls against the edge of the cliff. Lois shrieks and grabs his hand. Catching him in the nick of time, Superman looks up at her. Wide-eyed, he throws his other hand up to Lois. He digs her heels into the ground and pulls. A Superman climbs up to the safety-level ground. He collapses to his hands and knees, breathing heavily. Lois is on top of him, checking his pulse, feeling his head. God, Clark, are you okay? What happened? Was the crib tonight? It wasn't a toxic reaction. It was something else. We gotta get you home. I'll be okay. That plane won't if I don't leave now. Are you out of your mind? You almost fell off a cliff, <laughs> Clark. <laughs> you! <laughs> you! You! Superman, Superman gently extracts his cape from her grip. Touching her face. Then he lifts. He then lifts her off the ground. Hanging there, apparently back to normal. He shrugs at her and disappears in a flash of red, leaving behind a worried Lois. Exterior space. Night. The skull ship looms to the vacuum of night. And this is where we stop to do Wheel of Death. I'd like oh, to catch you oh, up. Wheel of Death is... Yeah. I'm no longer going to be reading the action Who are we going to kill off on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yes. We only have five people, and then by episode four, it's just going to be one of us. Yep. (laughs) Andrew reading the rest by himself. Just turned into a manga, like, really quick. Yeah. All right. I will now spin the wheel, and the next reader of the action lines will be... Byron. 
Interior skull ship control room night. Brainiac punches some buttons and the specs on the eradicator fill the screen. What? How do you know the eradicator will even show up? It's been years, my leash. The technology could be ancient history by now. Interior menagerie night. Doors hiss open and they enter the vast menagerie, a zoological collection of various species collected during Brainiac's journey through the cosmos. Brainiac heads to what in particular? A knee-high translucent tube filled with what looks like the contents of a lava lamp. Brainiac opens the case, extracting an embryonic protoplasmic life form. It looks harmless, if ugly, letting out a meager yowl. He places it into a missile-looking tube, sealing it closed. Jor-El was no fool. He would not have sent his only child to an alien world without the protection the Eradicator would provide. The technology is out there, Elrond, and absorbing it will provide me with enough power to both maintain my body permanently and make me a god. Right. Let's kill the cape. A hole opens in the wall, and Brainiac slides the tube into it. He pushes a large button on the panel. Exterior skull ship night. The tube rockets from the rear of the ship and heads towards Earth. Exterior metropolis park night. The capsule rockets into the atmosphere and pierces the ground, embedding itself deep within the Earth, unseen. Exterior daily planet building day. The streets of metropolis bustle below as we hear. One more time, Olsen, in English, please. How did we get these shots again? Sorry, interior Perry White's office close-up computer monitor. We scroll through photos of the Hobbs Bay incident. Like I said, Chief, I'm wired. Back to reveal Clark and Lois sitting in front of Perry's way-too-busy desk, watching Jimmy clicking on a mousepad, Perry White, the planet's venerable old editor, watches befuddled. I'm linked to thousands of other photojournalists around the world. We exchange images all the time. Jump into the cyber pool with the rest of us, Mr. White. And we're allowed to run these pictures. Free and clear with a photo credit. Give the kid a break, Perry. He's all about the paper. Lois, my office. My office. Lois works here here under the assumptions. It's hers as well. Eat it, Smallville. Hey! You can keep your computer thing up. Now, vamanos. Vamoose. My bad. <laughs> that is said vamanos. <laughs> like, yeah. Jimmy what? shuffles by Lois, who pats him on the back. Perry slumps in his chair. Down to brass tacks. What have either of you got? A top Lex Tech scientist, a Dr. Schuster, went missing last night. Got a call from a technician who said that Sh- Schuster and Lex got into a heated argument over the altered trajectory of, Le- of that Lex Tech experimental space station. The one Lex has yet to disclose the purpose of to NASA. What else? The boys in weather fed me this one. Seems that Dawn was 11 minutes behind schedule this morning. Cause? Umstantiated rumors of something spotted by the fellas up at the observatory. Sounds like a story up the Smallville's alley. I believe Mr. White gives out the assignments here, Laney. Don't call me that. Then don't call me Smallville. The phone rings. Perry pounces on it. (laughs) White, go. What? I'll be right there. Hangs up. Both of you stay here and hash out who gets the space thing. I'll be right back. Harry storms out of his office, leaving Clark and Lois alone. There's some silence. Then... 
I'm sorry, I didn't stay over last night. I'm at a salt clock. I'm not throwing a hissy just because you missed my sleepover. I'm having a hard time understanding what I said. That was so wrong. You didn't say anything wrong, Clark. You said everything a woman spends her whole life waiting for a man to say to her. Why your reaction? Why this distance? Because you're not a man, Clark. You're a god. Clark attempts to say something but pauses. He listens to seemingly nothing. Exterior metropolis part. <clears throat> From the hole in the ground the pod made, smoke begins to rise ominously. There's a rumbling sound. Interior Perry White's office day. Clark is still listening. Lois looks at him, puzzled. What is it? Interior Daily Planet, city room, day. Journalists look up from their keyboards as the room begins to shake. Exterior Metropolis Park. The ground shakes. Thunderous roars emit from the hole. Interior Perry White's office, day. Lois looks slightly panicked. Clark unbuttons his collar. <gasps> Earthquake? Can't be. I checked the crustal place just last month. Interior Metropolis sewer system. At a dank and dripping cross-section, a pair of sewer workers check a pipe that's broken loose. The tunnel begins to shake violently, and the sewerage begins bubbling. The workers look at it, then head for the manhole. Suddenly, something erupts from the muck, looming huge in the shadows behind the fleeing workers. Whatever it is pulls them beneath the sewage. Exterior, Metropolis Park Day. Suddenly, the ground explodes, throwing pies flying, leaving a six-foot crater. Interior, Perry White's office, Day. Perry bursts in as Clark quickly rebuttons his collar. There's a report of an explosion in the sewer beneath the Metropolis Park. What on it, Chief? <laughs> Pulls Clark out of the office at a speedy clip. Exterior stairwell, day. <clears throat> door flies open and Lois and Clark rush in. Lois slams the door closed behind her. Sounds like a job for her. I want you to do me a favor. Whatever you do, stay away from Metropolis Park. I've got a bad feeling about this. I've got a good feeling that whatever it is, is news. And me being a journalist... Lois, no. Lois looks into his eyes. He seems almost afraid. Last night, the cliff. You slipped, Clark, that's all. But it happened when I grabbed the plane, too. Something didn't feel right. My strength. Just please stay put until I know everything's all right. <sighs> go find a phone booth. Clark that's a dashes fun way away. to say go fuck yourself. I but, know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Clark dashes away, taking the stairs two at a time, then five. In the blur that travels at more than human speed, down flight after flight, the colors that emerge from the gray of Clark's suit are the familiar blue and red. Exterior Daily Planet Building Day. Through the revolving door shoots the Man of Steel, creating a sonic boom in his wake, sending the papers, trash, and hair of metrop metropolitans flying. Exterior Metropolis Park Day. Superman arrives at the crater. He looks into the darkness, then... He hears something above. Exterior space. The shadow caster seals off another section of the sun. Exterior Metropolis Park Day. Superman looks down again, then up. He's about to leap into the air to investigate the sound from above. Suddenly, two gray meaty paws erupt from the earth, pulling Superman underground. Interior sewer tunnel day. Superman emerges from the muck, spitting out waste. He wipes his eyes clean and looks up to see an unearthly monster, ferocious and gray in appearance. Leathery skin pockmarked with rock-like protrusions. Doomsday has arrived. Dun, dun, dun. That's a surprise. Doomsday. The beast leaps at Man of Steel. The pair begin their fight, throwing punches and kicks. Doomsday grabs Superman by his cape and swings him through the side of the tunnel. Doomsday pulls aside concrete, giving himself a clear passage into the other tunnel. When Superman appears from nowhere, uppercutting the tremendous beast, sending him flying. Exterior Metropolis Park Day. 
through the crater into the park. Superman shoots out of the hole behind him, landing beside the beasts. Clear out of here, now. Doomsday kicks Superman in the back, but Superman rallies. Interior skull ship. On the main screen, we see combatants fighting. He's incredible. He just keeps going. I call it Doomsday. Not that thing. Superman, look at him battle. Brainiac offers the little robot a dour expression. Elrond deflates. Brainiac pushes a button on the control board. I won't lay wagers on the Kryptonian just yet. Exterior space. The shadow caster goes full throttle, completely cutting off what little sunlight was seeping out. Exterior metropolis day. The sun, eclipsed by Brainiac's device, disappears, plunging the earth and the city into the darkness of moonlight. Interior daily planet building night. Lois and Jimmy watch from the windows. The city's rooms in a panic. Perry joins them. Hey! It's only noon. What's going on with the sun? This just came in front of government weather satellites. The photos show the Shadowcaster in its dormant and operative mode. I can only hope Kent's out there covering this. The same the place the same place you should be, although from a safe distance. But Chief, I promise Olsen, you go with her. I want some handids of whatever that thing is Superman's fighting. I'm on it, Chief. Come on, Miss Lane. Jimmy drags Lois out. Perry calls after them. And hurry. If I know the Man of Steel, this rumble's going to be over before it's started. Here in Metropolis Park night. Superman takes a hit from Doomsday and goes stumbling backwards. He pauses and notices the fading sunlight. Then it dawns on him. His power source is being cut off. Doomsday plows into him. Superman fights back valiantly but knows that he's being depleted. He begins to falter. Doomsday grabs him and hurls Superman back into the hole. Interior sewer system. Superman lands and Doomsday is on him anew, holding Superman in a headlock. Superman flips Doomsday off his back and drop kicks him down the tunnel, out of sight. Then we hear a high-pitched shriek sounding. Superman winces, the sound filling his head. The shriek fades and we hear tapping as if on a microphone and... Is this thing on? <laughs> Hello, blue boy. <laughs> it's your better, Luther. Speaking to all the other frequency that only the superhero can detect. Interior Lex office night. Lex looks out upon the prematurely darkened metropolis, a microphone in his hand. Things don't look too good for you, alien. Seems I finally found your Achilles heel, the Earth's yellow sun. Exterior sewer drop-off drain. Superman enters cautiously. Without it, you're not that impressive. Look at you, alone, beaten, nearly broken. Where are all the good people you put your neck on the line so many times for? You think they returned the favor. Then Doomsday drops from the ceiling, crushing the Man of Steel. They fight through the current, heading towards the drop-off. Superman pulls himself from D-Day's grasp, but Doomsday double fits the floor, shaking the ceiling loose, which comes down around Superman, pinning him. Doomsday winds up and gives Superman a right hook, sending him falling into the churning muck below. Exterior metropolis streets. Lois slides across a cab set, rushing towards the park. She muscles through the crowds to keep their distance. Interior sewer drop-off. Doomsday studies the muck below. Superman explodes from the sewage, howling up at Doomsday, in a flash catching him with his fists. The pair, exterior metropolis streets, shoot through the pavement, spraying debris everywhere. Superman goes ballistic, racing at the beast anew, pummeling him. But Doomsday rallies back, throwing punches that actually draw blood. The Man of Steel drops to his knees, Lex's voice still filling his head. You'd think that solar energy that you would store would, fly, would last longer, wouldn't you? I mean, you fly at night? And there's no sun then. Why are you weakening now? <laughs> Apparently, soaring through the sky, catching muggers, 
and wrestling the occasion back catbird doesn't take out the effort it's taken to hold your own against the mindless wonder here. Any stored soul energy you may have has been exhausted. Plainly put, you're running out of gas. And the pumps are closed. Doomsday leaps atop Superman, beating him down savagely. Superman's running out of time. Exterior Antarctic. The snow is almost blinding. Even in the darkness, we pan across the tundra and drop into a large canyon. Interior Antarctic Canyon. Buried deep in the snow, we see the Fortress of Solitude. Superman's home away from home. Outside the mass's front doors stands two statue-like polar bears. Interior <laughs> Fortress. Amongst various trophies and keepsakes hangs a rocket, an escape craft that brought Superman to Earth all those years ago. Interior craft. In the cabin, electrical pulses start to ignite. A screen forms, igniting with a series of random numbers and Kryptonian letters until they form the S insignia. Cut to exterior Metropolis streets. The torn S insignia on Superman's chest dripping with blood. Superman gives it his all against the mindless doomsday. The voice of Lex still filling his head. I really just called you to tell you that your reign is over. You're being replaced. And this city, this world is about to fall on its knees before LexCorp and its CEO. We hear Superman's heartbeat, and it's not that strong. Interior craft. Back in the Antarctic, the heartbeat faintly echoes through the cabin. The S on the screen gives way to a vital signs graph, including a heart rate monitor. All the signs are dangerously low, as indicated by the readout. Interior fortress. The body of the rocket dislodges from the ceiling, falling to the snow. It begins transforming, growing a body. Exterior Metropolis Street, Superman and Doomsday go at it, both weakening, but it's clear Superman's the worse off. Lois pushes through the crowd, followed by Jimmy. Her eyes go wide. Clock! <laughs> Fly away! Get out of here before that thing kills you! <laughs> His power diminished. The Man of Steel is on the ropes. His lethal opponent, too, appears to be reaching for the grave. But neither relents, and even now, Superman has Lex's voice in his head. You had no business here from the start, Kryptonian, but here you'll die. Close-up Superman, who allows himself a quick pain glance at close-up Lois. Eyes filled with tears, close-up Superman, as he manages a final weak smile, as if to say goodbye. I just wanted you to know who it was that beat you, boy. Close-up Lois, she at first smiles through her tears at well, until she realizes what it means. Shaking her head and screaming, And the pair throw their last punches, connecting with one another's head. The shock of their mortal blows explode like a sonic boom throughout Metropolis. Close-up, Lois, wide-eyed. Close-up, Jimmy, who stops snapping photos and looks up. Interior, Lex's office. Close-up, Lex, who stares down at the tiny spectacle from high above, smiling. <clears throat> Exterior, Metropolis streets. And in a moment that seems like an eternity, the two mighty combatants fall to the ground. Interior, fortress. And the Eradicator comes online. He stands erect, taking in his surroundings. He moves to a nearby computer and hooks into it. A map of the world fills the screen. We digitally race through it and land in exterior Metropolis streets. The city is paralyzed. Then the crowd starts to move. News crews and military personnel converge, crowding around the fallen Superman. Lois fights her way through the masses, dropping to her knees beside the fallen Man of Steel. She lifts his head from the rubble, cradling it. He opens his eyes partially, muck, filth, and blood obscuring his vision and suit. Weakly, he says. Is, is it? Shh. You did it, Clark. 
You did it. Looking into her eyes. Lois. He goes limp. Lois breaks down. The crowd's in shock. Superman is dead. Interior skull ship. Brainiac and Elrond smile at the same image on the ship's view screen. Throw out a wave pulse net. If my calculations are correct, the technology will be coming online soon. Interior fortress. The Eradicator stares up at the mapping system, with a flashing red light indicating the fallen Superman's location. Metropolis. Interior skull ship. Elrond looks up from the monitor on the control panel. So far, nothing, my leash. Patience, Elrond, he'll come. Interior fortress. The mapping on the screen transposes and rising above Metropolis, landing on a diagram of the skull ship. Over the image flashes the message, Predator detected. Brainiac. Here? The image disappears, replaced with activating cloaking device. The eradicator then concentrates on the map. Now, how to get Kal-El without being detected? Or get Kal-El to me? The eradicator types at the computer he's hooked into. The screen begins filling with numbers, letters, and an array of binary codes. Interior, skull ship, on control board. A signal beeps. Brainiac punches a button anxiously, only to be greeted by Lex's face on the view screen. What are you waiting for? Phase 2? If this is going to work, we have to move to Phase 2 now. Brainiac scowls and the screen switches off. Insolent hunk of meat. Animate the carcass. Exterior metropolis streets, night. Close up, doomsday's eyes. A high-pitched charge is heard and the dead eyes snap open. The creature stirs, then sits bolt upright, growling. The crowd begins screaming. The tearful Lois looks up from her fallen lover to see Doomsday moving. Interior skull ship. Elrond enters codes and presses buttons, animating Doomsday's corpse, which we see on the view screen. Finish this mess so we can find the technology. Elrond hits a button. Exterior skull ship. From the skull ship's bow, a red beam emits, cutting through space. Exterior metropolis streets. The beam strikes the animated dead body of Doomsday, incinerating it. People leap out of the way as Doomsday explodes. Metropolitans look skyward for the source of the blast, but find nothing. Lois is among them, for a beat. She then goes back to cradling her lover's head. Jimmy comforts her, then sadly stands, looking through the eyepiece of his camera. Rest in peace, big guy. We hold on, on the frozen photo image of the Man of Steel held by his secret love. Dissolved to exterior metropolis skyline night. The next day, the city is dark, both in mourning and in lack of sun. Exterior metropolis streets, night. On the streets below, artificial light is cast from high-powered LexCorp Kleegs. It's the same straight down the avenue. LexCorp lights everywhere. And people as well. The crowds are enormous, all wearing black armbands emblazoned with Superman's S-shield. They scramble to get a look at a horse-drawn carriage in the midst of which is a casket. Its open top reveals Superman, eyes closed, peaceful. His mm -hmm. cape hangs over the lid. Mm -hmm. Exterior Metropolis Night, its backdrop draped in black with a blown-up photo of Superman adorning the center. The viewing stage holds various city and world dignitaries who stare mournfully at the approaching carriage. Cat Grant addresses her camera team, flanked by Lois. Cat Grant here, bringing you WGBS's continuing coverage of what the president has called the world's darkest hour. Offering her perspective on the sadly historic day is Daily Planet reporter Lois Lane. <clears throat> whose name is synonymous with the Man of Steel's. Well, we hear the Metropolis say goodbye to a friend around the globe. 
Crisis management teams are working tirelessly to counter the efforts of the eclipse. Exterior, foreign locals, or locales. While Lois speaks, we see LexCorp Kleegs powering up at sites around the globe. LexCorp trucks empty LexCorp food supplies. Financial analysis have predicted that LexCorp will make billions from the globe as the sole supplier of available energy. Exterior Metropolis Park Night. Lois continues. The burial monument commissioned by Lex Luthor himself strikes this reporter being built in a remarkable expedient fashion. When questioned on this, Luther responded evasively. We have our differences, but a man such as this deserves an equal memorial. Lois, perhaps the greatest memorial to his efforts is that so far, <laughs> zero casualties have been reported from the citywide battle. Although my, oh my, God. my colleague, Clark Kent, is still missing, presumably dead during the fallout of the battle. Rescue teams have been sifting through the rubble, but so far, there's no sign of, of him. More on that story tonight. But right now, procession has reached the tomb. Carriage stops, and a priest says a blessing over the Man of Steel's body, closing the casket lid. But before it closes, we get a glimpse of two small blinking lights attached to his suit. Interior skull ship. On the view screen, an outline of Superman's body has the same corresponding blinking red lights. Elrond notes this. Exterior Metropolis Park. Pallbearers carry the casket toward the monument. A huge bronze replica of Superman in his up-up-and-away stance. Jimmy snaps away, stopping momentarily to wipe a tear from his eye as the pallbearers insert the casket into the base, sealing the metal doors. Interior, skull ship. On the view screen, digital tumblers lock into place and a message flashes, alarm engaged. Elrond turns to the Brainiac, who is suiting up in some uncharacteristically resplendent costuming, complete with cape. The security measures on both the suit and the tomb have been activated. If anything attempts to remove his body, and that's a big if. There are no ifs, Elrond. The Eradicator is here. I know it. And who, might I ask, is opening for my Legion Vegas this weekend? Off outfit. Lex Luthor's idea of what a Kryptonian should look like alone marks him for execution. Something we should act on now. I have further use for Lex Luthor. Until such time as we have the Eradicator, I will feed off Lex Corpse's energy supplies to maintain my form. Once we have the technology of Jor-El, you may kill Lex Luthor. Now, prepare my skiff. Exterior Metropolis Park, night. Governor Bree rides a cherry picker to the outstretched arm of the statue where she hangs Superman's cape. For the crowd that can't get near the tomb, the burial is broadcast on the WGBS building giant screen TV. Then the image of the funeral is interrupted by a familiar symbol, the bat signal. It gives way to a shadowy image of the dark night deep within the bat cave. Good evening, Metropolis. <laughs> it is my yes. Let's go. I offer you my Gotham Zebus condolences. I apologize for my absence. But with the loss of the sun, I am all that poses the criminal madam in my city who seized upon the cover of darkness for the evil purposes. From atop the viewing stage, Lois and the others stare up at the screen. The guardian of your city, of the world, and Metropolis and its inhabitants very near to his heart. The message continues on the screen. 
It's been said he fought for the never-ending battle for truth, justice, and American way. Honor this fallen soldier of keeping his memory alive in the face of adversary. From this day forward, we forever shoulder the burden of the world without a Superman. Uh, and, Beautiful. Uh, Batman died of throat cancer right then. Yeah. <laughs> I'm never doing that voice again, Jesus Christ. That must have been awful on your throat. Okay. <laughs> I could see I'm the fine. pain in your eyes. Okay, here we go. On the giant screen, the Dark Knight withdraws further back into the shadows until he is completely unseen. <laughs> what the heck? That just looks really funny in my head. Yep. The back signal comes up again and then scrambles into the image of the funeral below. Wait, so he hacked the funeral? Yeah, he hacked yeah. the funeral. Oh my god. <laughs> That's so Batman. <laughs> but suddenly over the top of the giant screen, a hover skiff rises, sending the crowd below into a panic. What great timing with this. Jimmy joins Lois snapping pictures of the descending craft as it lands on the viewing stage. Aboard the craft is Brainiac, now decked out in alien garb, replete with face-obscuring helmet and Lex with an arm draped over Brainiac's shoulder. Lex jumps to the podium microphone. People of Metropolis, this is a great day in our planet's history. Today, you will learn of a secret too long kept for myself, kept by myself, and Superman. A murmur goes to the crowd. Atop the viewing stage, Lois looks at Lex suspiciously as Lex continues. Superman's job was not, not to protect our city, but instead to pave the way for an amazing new era in this planet's history. Cat moves closer to Lois, whispering. Has the old man finally lost it? Why does it sound like that uh, lemon character from Adventure Time that's like always screaming? I made oh, yeah. a mistake taking Cat. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Lex encourages, encourages applause from the confused Whoa. crowd. Oh. Bro, you you skipped my line, bro. Oh, you said it already. My no. Iron, <laughs> what is Sorry, that go mean? ahead. I'm going through so many black like, screens and shit. I think it's worse than that. Lex encourages applause from the confused crowd. Over the last two years, Superman and I have been working closely to prepare this world for its introduction to more extraterrestrials like himself, and like the being I now present to you, ladies and gentlemen. I give you the true power behind our fallen man of steel, Brainiac. Urged by Lex, Brainiac approaches the podium as a hush falls over the crowd. Today marks a terrible day for our planet Krypton. Superman, as you called him, was a herald of the highest order. Having gone before me to many planets, preparing them for first contact, I stand before you now in the spirit of hope and peace. A cheer goes up from the crowd. Brainiac looks out. Upon the thrall emotionless, Lex pats him on the back, whispering in his ear. Keep it up. They're buying it. Lois watches Brainiac's and, Lex, Brainiac's and Lex's interaction with suspicion, but her face belies yeah. fear that what's being said may be the truth. His true mission was kept secret from you to protect you until you were ready to accept aliens into your world. Sorrowfully, my herald gave his life fighting a foul menace weakening the beast so that I was able to vaporize it using the power of my ship above. The creature was from a race of warmongers that have designed, designated this planet for annihilation. But in concert with Superman and Lex Luthor, I have been able to blanket your planet in darkness to protect you from approaching hordes. 
Lois goes bug-eyed, her journalistic instincts kicking in. She charges the podium, fighting off LexCorp security. What is he talking about? Is he saying that you two, what, blocked out the sun? <laughs> it's Lane. What the deity speak? Using materials provided to me by Lex Luthor and my own advanced technology, I fashioned a device to enshroud the planet in a darkness that will provide camouflage. From what? <laughs> From them. Suddenly, the dark skies above shimmer, and an armada of ships can be seen moving slowly through space, patrolling. With the multitude of spacecraft visible, it would appear that Earth is under attack. The Metropolitans panic, screaming, moving to run. Brainiac holds his hands out. Do not fear. We are not visible to the armada. The crowd calms, listening to Brainiac. The forced eclipse that darkens the skies is what keeps us hidden. The menace above cannot detect your world and will slowly pass through your galaxy within days. Once they have moved on, I will end the eclipse and bring back the sun. Until that time, LexCorp Energy will fuel the planet. And LexCorp Industrial Services will keep the world operating smoothly as if the sun had never left. The crowd slowly breaks into applause. Lex smiles, joining hands with Brainiac and raising them into the air. <coughs> Brainiac seems to be confused by this, but goes along with it. His attention <laughs> is more focused on the tomb. Surrounded by people, Brainiac cannot see it. Interior fortress, the eradicator stops typing at the computer. He presses enter. The numbers on the screen reconfigure, forming Superman S insignia. It glows red. Interior tomb. Back in Metropolis, inside the casket, the S on Superman's chest also begins glowing red. Superman's body begins shimmering and teleports Trek-style wow. out of sight, leaving behind a suit on which the security measures fill, still blink. Exterior Metropolis Park night. Lex urges Brainiacs to further address the, the crowd. Jesus. Superman, I will endeavor to protect Earth and its inhabitants. It's the least I can do in return for your warm, warm welcome and in memory of Superman. Brainiac raises his arms like Nixon. The crowd goes oh, wild. God. Luther leads the crowd in a rallying cry of cheers for Earth's greatest hero, Brainiac. And as Cat Grant rushes the podium to get an interview with the heroic pair, Lois stares at them both coldly and at a loss, amid th the thrall of support for Brainiac. Fade to black. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. This marks the conclusion of part one of the Unproducible Podcast's coverage and reading of Superman Lives by Kevin Smith. If you managed to make it this far, we all want to thank you for sticking it out with us. Hit the subscribe button if you want to stay up to date with the podcast and see what other films we dredge up from the bowels of Hollywood. With all that said, this again marks the conclusion of part one. But don't worry, there is a part two that should be uploaded as soon as you're hearing this. So, all you have to do is skedaddle on over there to get all the answers for your burning questions, such as, will Brainiac and Lex Luthor win the day? Will Superman come back to life? Will Kevin Smith put more unintentional sexual innuendos in the screenplay? And will we even end up liking the entire script? All those questions will be answered and more. So thanks again everyone for listening, and we hope to see you in part two. Bye bye